Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Helen and this is Wine Face. Helen from Helen's Wines, which is the little wine shop on Fairfax in the back of John and Vinny's. You know it, you love it if you live in LA. If you don't, go to helenswines.com or follow me on Instagram at Helen's Wines. But today, I'm sitting across from a super lovely lady named Claire Thomas. Hi, Claire. Hey. Welcome to Wine Face. Claire is uh, here to talk about all things that I am maybe familiar with but maybe not um she has a super cool blog maybe you could tell us about because you have a couple different businesses like she yeah. has a blog, kitchen you've done cookbooks you've like done it all it's funny like my husband always re- describes me to people as like a food swiss army knife person because <laughs> it's like and you know it's like claire and her what like size though weird which th- size weird thousand jobs yeah the one that has like a can opener and like an epi pen and the like, camping <laughs> yeah exactly awesome. um no but the short answer is i work in food and meat media um Mm. because it depends on who i'm trying to explain what i do to people um but basically i kind of started three career paths all at the same time and kept expecting it to be a horse race where one of them would win and it like is a horse race now that has been a decade long where they're all winning there it's i didn't realize it was like an electric bunny like dog race where you know it was like more like that where the race is never over um but when i started i um basically started my blog the kitschy kitchen and very quickly from that i did video content on the blog which at the time i mean now everyone does video content but this was like 2008 you were cutting edge <laughs> yeah you were in the blogosphere it was were you like one of those early influencer bloggers who would like get invited to do shit pre-instagram but, oh but i i was so bad at it because it's like <laughs> i I, ugh, I look back and i'm like man if i just like jumped on social media the way i should have back then i could have i could have done I just it. opened some sparkling wine sorry guys that's such a fun <laughs> sound though isn't it yeah but, okay wait so i'm gonna pour yeah, yeah, some yeah. of this it's the white knight the nuit blanche i Ooh. so just a precursor because we'll interject with little wines here and there. I'm staring at a plate of cookies so that Claire cookies. made from the kitchen, <laughs> and all the recipes are on thekitchenkitchen.com. Yep. And I'm staring at it, and I brought wines that like I like to drink with either brunch or dessert. I don't like sweet wine that much, mm-hmm. so they're all kind of like unusual. I don't know, maybe they're a little ADD. So mm. eight years ago, you're doing your thing. Yeah. So I started with video content, and basically all in the same summer, the blog kind of became popular. 
I started uh, working as a commercial director. I booked my first job actually with McDonald's. I did a Whoa. ad for their smoothies. Um, and then at the same time, I got a TV show. And it was all like this crazy just thing happening at the same time. And I had a... Uh, Maybe that's why you look familiar. Just <laughs> because no, of the goddamn TV. There's I've been no like, way you you've so seen familiar, it. familiar, Claire. <laughs> there's no way. It, okay. It's called Food for Thought with Claire Thomas. Um, and, you know, I did the show for two years. It was 50 episodes. And then it ended, as TV shows do. And I, you know, transitioned everything over to YouTube. Um, and so it's been really interesting because I've kind of had this 360 food media experience where I work directly with agencies and brands on the broadcast side uh, doing creative and uh, commercial directing and even like way back in the day working as like a food stylist on set and that kind of thing. And then through what I do uh, on the influencer side, it's all working with marketing firms. It's so funny. It's like agency on one side, marketing on the other. And then in between all of that, there's the on-camera component as well. So, it's, But then you're also like baking and making <laughs> recipes. Yeah, well, and because that's the thing. The whole thing is You're like anchored. a quadruple threat. You're I like an know. octo threat. It's, it's all based <laughs> off of um, the, you know, the recipes I created in the Kitschy Kitchen. And what's been kind of cool to see, though, is how over the last decade, it's sort of evolved beyond like what the Kitschy Kitchen even is. Um, and I've gotten to sort of start exploring all the different things I love about food and very different ways mm. so um one big part is like because of my background uh working in advertising and marketing and my whole family works in advertising <laughs> funny enough it's um, like the twilight it's zone. literally yeah i'm like the my husband's the only white collar person in the entire family like he's the only one with a real job all of us are crazy freelancers and um so for me i always have loved working uh, with brands and so um, sweet laurel is sort of my foray into doing that personally where like i saw this amazing thing my friend was doing her story was so inspiring and i saw oh my gosh there's like this could be a real thing so you guys are partners in yeah. sweet laurel yeah and is she more like it's her recipes on that end and you're just helping like put the vibe in the world and help with the cookbook and you guys are like partners in the business of that bake because sweet laurel is a Bakery is yeah. a, but it's vegan. No, gluten free. Yeah, it's uh, grain free, refined, sugar free, and dairy free. Oh my goodness! I know it's a lot of a lot of things. Um, but no, for us on that, it's really interesting. Um, f having partnerships with that are also friendships can be very very complicated. And what's really amazing about Laurel and I is we both have such different skill sets that mm. it actually it's kind of funny. Our friendship venn diagrams very tight like we're both basically 85 year old women <laughs> but our professional venn diagram is like two spheres that are like on opposite sides of the room which is great because laurel is an amazing teacher she's very charismatic people really just love hearing what she has to say i love that she's so good at like kind of i would almost say like sort of the like evangelism side of the brand in the sense of like introducing people to the idea of what sweet laurel is explaining the concept sharing her healing through fruit journey like all of those things are so inspiring my side of it is what i would describe more as like almost like the creative direction so mm -hmm. everything from like ideating like what the aesthetics are the packaging um messaging and then like kind of like big picture business stuff and then so rad. yeah it was my one like little boots on the ground thing i've been very excited about getting to do is other than like the packaging but um the store itself and getting to you know really sort of be 
very much central to the design of it. There and is a store. Been, oh, it just opened. Oh, yeah. shit. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Good thing we popped this bubbly. I mean. <laughs> but so that's your project with her. But like mm-hmm. your your day-to-day focus that's like your personal passion is Kitchy Kitchen. Yeah. Well, Kitchy Kitchen is sort of like the, um, I guess, the hub. It's like where yeah. everything connects back to it. And that's been what's so interesting is just like, you know, it started as a blog and now it's the blog obviously is still there. I still post to it. I'm, you know, it's still the anchor of everything. But uh, my day to day, it's literally different every single day. Um, and probably my favorite thing I've gotten to do in the last, um, you know, few years, uh, other than Sweet Laurel and working on like brand content and that kind of thing is the my podcast on food history because I'm a huge food history nerd. Oh my so God. Getting What's the to, podcast? I, it's called A Time and a Plate. A Time and a Plate. <laughs> I love this. It's really nerdy. Food history is so cool. I haven't listened yet, but I really am going to. We were talking earlier about the history of oysters. We don't need to make this about that, but we could though. Yeah, we could. We totally we could. We could digress. <laughs> okay, so just about the wine. I, I tried to bring like four unconventional wines to pair with your cookies, which I've never had. Not to make it all about food and wine pairing, but I think it's kind of cool to just let the people know what we're about to do. I love this because every year I have a ladies-only cookie swap. Oh my god! It's very fun, and you're invited, by the way. I want a cookie. I want. I need your email so I can invite you. You But um, can have it because I'm opening the second sparkling, and it's really fun because for me, I it's my one big social event of the year. I'm actually like a terrible introvert, and I love that it's girls only because I just for me it's like the one time I actually can connect with all my girlfriends and we really can see each other, and it's literally an excuse to just like everyone brings cookies. I have like a hot cocoa bar. And then there's always wine. But pairing wine with like a variety of unknown cookies is very challenging. It's a challenge. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about I this. I know. Okay. So the Nui Blanche that Bernard Vallet, that's mm-hmm. what's in the glass. Yeah. It's made from Gamay, mm-hmm. which is kind of unusual in Beaujolais in France. Mm-hmm. I was thinking this or the Voria with the Alpha Horis. Ooh. Craig's favorite. Is Craig your husband? Craig is my husband. Yeah. Shout like, out to Craig. I feel like I've referenced him without mentioning that like that is my husband. <laughs> So the Nuit Blanche is like, it's made kind of like a traditional champagne, but it's unfiltered, Mm. um, super clean, organically farmed, biodynamic practices in place. Mm. And I was just like, I like having something crisp and clean when I'm eating sweet things. I'm not a sweet person. So let's, we're going to try the Nuit Blanche with... Which is which cookie? This so one, right? So the affaiore right? is the one with the dulce de leche. Oh, my God. So an affaiore. I might have totally fucked it up. I don't know. Yeah, tell me the history of this yeah, cookie. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to try it right now. Um, It's very popular in Latin, oh Latin Central, like Latin America. So um, <laughs> like Mexico, Central America. It was so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's only made of good things. Oh so my god! It's like, do- oh my god! Next level. It's so fun. Oh, it's like creamy and sweet. Then there's salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm, dolce me all over. No, it's I'm all trying the things. With the ones. But um, it's very popular in in pairing. South America. And so um, my husband fell in love with them in when he was he spent like quite a bit of time in Argentina. And so I love them because it's mm. basically a shortbread cookie dusted in powdered sugar and filled with dulce de leche. And I just think that combination is so wonderful. And I love like balance in my sweets. Like I'm the same way where mm-hmm. I like sweet, but I'm not a, I would not describe myself as like a, you know, I'm not a sugar person. Mm-mm. Like I like sweet. I don't crave sugar. Yeah. It needs to be balanced. Like yeah. I like the, like I love a little bit of salt in like, it. Yes. I could eat like 20 bowls of Thai food and then like mm. one cookie, I'm good. It's actually not surprising that 
I mean, I feel like when I think of Thai food and meaning any food that has that sweetness, yeah, gamay is such a great pairing with it. Yeah, right. Because it has that fruit forwardness and like a little bit of funk. That's kind of interesting. Exactly. And this yeah. is in a sparkling form, mm-hmm. which I think just takes it to the next festive level mm-hmm. this holiday season. Well, and also sparkling with fat mm-hmm. is the perfect combination. Ugh, heaven. Yeah. Like for me, this is like the bougiest thing ever, but like a bottle of champagne. <laughs> A bowl of buttered popcorn. <laughs> and that's the greatest thing Ugh, ever. That sounds like it. I like to put brewer's yeast on my popcorn, <sighs> which is like heaven, which is like nutritional yeast. And it kind of has this cheesy flavor and we melt butter and then salt and brewer's yeast. You're taking me back. Like there was um, yeah. a kid in my middle school class whose mom was like Very a little hippie. bit of a hippie. Yeah. yeah. And so Shout she- out to my mom. She listens every week. <laughs> there Thanks, you mom. Yeah. I love hippie moms. Yeah. Or like pottery moms. She was like Upper East Side hippie mom in New York. So that's kind fun, of though. like, yeah. Well, that's like me growing up with like a Brentwood or like Santa Monica hippie mom. Yeah. Yeah. Hippie moms rule. Um, <laughs> it's really different though. So the second wine I opened here, let me pour it. Yeah, I'm gonna pour yeah. you some of the Voria, mm. which is made in Sicily. It's got skin contact. Whoa. Yeah, it's super funky. Um, it's skin contact, so it smells funkier than I think it tastes. It's like pineapple yellow, yep. unfiltered. It the grape is Catarato, uh, made near Palermo. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, I was like, there's pineapple vibes in it. Could be good. Oh, that's so different. The nose is so mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. That is like the um, polite term is barnyard. Yeah. It's a little funky. <laughs> it's a little funky. Definitely a natural wine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also good. It'll blow off as it sits there, but it's, yeah. it's very clean. I got to say, I think I think the Nuit Blanche pairs better with this cookie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one is... Just fun and pretty. Maybe this one will be good with the, um, I made cornmeal thumbprint cookies. Yes. And there's two different jams. I actually, because I wasn't sure what you were bringing, but one jam I was thinking <laughs> would like go really well with like a Cobb Franc because there's violet in it. Ooh. Or something. Or it might, we can go back to this one red I brought when we, Perfect. yeah, I, we can try everything with everything. And then there's another, um, the other jam is a strawberry raspberry vanilla jam. So I feel like this would actually go really nice with that. What's your, okay, so next cookie we'll move on to are the, uh, Jam cornmeal thumb pit cookies, but yeah. what is your like baking ritual? Do you only bake mm. at home? What's your cooking ritual? Do you yeah. listen to music? Like you have a son? Yeah. What is it like? What's your? I have my rituals. Like I love to cook, but I don't really bake. That's so interesting. I mean, for me, it's really funny where because it's what I do for a living. Like when when my husband and I were about to get married, we were doing the engagement workbook thing. I don't know if anyone who's, you know, everyone's kind of familiar with that sort of like uh, couples therapy type thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. It had one of the things was you have to write down three date night ideas and then Ooh. share it with your partner. <laughs> so we went off in our corners and Craig's was um, cooking together. And I turned to him and I was like, that's so funny. I put making excel spreadsheets together <laughs> weird is that what he does <laughs> yes he definitely makes a lot of excel <laughs> spreadsheets and so explaining to him Aww. was like you know for me i love cooking and i do cook almost every day but it's always for work and so it's actually a huge treat and very luxurious when i get to cook only um like for it's it's cooking for the sake of simply cooking mm. and it's not for an end um i'm so results driven like if anyone's taken the myers-briggs test i'm a mega intj like to a crazy degree so yeah. i'm super hyper results driven and so to turn that off and just focus on making something delicious at its own pace is just something i so rarely get to do and when i do i literally soak it up it's like when i get to read a book it's this like indulgent like 
what <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. It's like ultimate me time. Yes. So for me, I, I'm also a weirdo where it's like I love music, but when I'm doing something, I really enjoy silence. I think silence is luxurious. And I think like it's so rare that we actually get to have solitude and quiet. And mm. so for me, the idea of just kind of like paddling around the kitchen on a Sunday and it's quiet and my son's napping and like that's just like the perfect kind of scenario because usually I'm when I'm cooking, it's like I'm food styling. So I'm trying to make sure like, okay, like it's got to look good, taste good. Exactly. has to look good. It has to taste good. It has to hit certain things. Like I'm taking notes the entire time. It's like a, it's a very different experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I never cook that. I don't cook from recipes. Mm. I just cook. Yeah. It's so fun, but I, I really appreciate a recipe because I'll like read it and I'll be like, oh, that makes sense. But then I won't measure stuff out. I'll just vibe it. Yeah. What, um, what's like the thing that you're tackling now or what is like, what's your white way? like do you have is it like a floating island oh my gosh (laughs) could you imagine or like the perfect or what is I have a couple questions but like savory and sweet what's like the biggest thing you're excited about or the most challenging thing you're working on now I'm gonna pour okay rosé I was thinking first with the corn meal thumbprint while you answer this is Olivier Cohen and it's 100% Pinot Noir oh how beautiful it's such a lovely color oh it's so pretty it's very very light yeah it's like it's like a bruised strawberry I love it I actually have like kind of a silly food history question really briefly. Yeah. Have you ever had claret? Yeah, like Bordeaux. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like a it's like a lighter Bordeaux. It's kind of um juicier. It's more of a rosé. Yeah. This is funky. This is like full on strawberries. Mm-hmm. But it feels like when you take strawberries and it's like if you smash them in your hand. Yeah. Like it feels like that. Yeah, yeah, you're like trying to make wine out of strawberries. Yeah, like you're it's, just like white knuckling strawberry it's a wine. <laughs> okay, wait, I'm gonna so try it's it. this one. Oh, this one, or or any of these, this side. Okay, yeah. I'm going for this side. That's a good one. Our meal thumbprint. Yeah. So the question: Are you asking like professionally or like from a recipe standpoint? Like, mm. is there a recipe I'm oh trying my God, to? Like... These are so good. Okay, <laughs> all these cookies are delicious. <laughs> I bet you like them. Sorry, Michelle. Michelle, my producer. There's cookies for you, Michelle. You can have them after. Um. Oh my god! These remind me of like one of my favorite Pepperidge Farms cookies. Those like oh my god, I love the Pepperidge circles Farm. with the straw, like the jam in the middle. One hundred percent. but they're better because the cornmeal at the end, kind of like, it makes you want to cleanse your palate. It's it's not cakey, but it has mm. this like very resounding corn flavor. Yeah, it's like um. Well, you know, like if you have pizza that has semolina. This one's pretty good No, with it. this is brilliant with it. Yeah, we're it's nailing like, it over here. Because of, I think, honestly, the cornmeal plus the strawberry with this wine is just such mm. a lovely combination. Hallelujah. No. Okay, so recipe-wise, it could be both. Like, yeah. I mean, there's stuff like I'm super into making parsley rice right now. Mm. And it's not something I don't – it just started by accident. And we have it like once a week in different variations and like – you basically like make it's so simple but like what goes with parsley rice and i'm cooking a lot with turmeric like Mm. i'm super into turmeric stuff that's so nice yeah for me i like probably the most satisfying thing for me to make is pasta Ooh, i love pasta because what i love about it is first you can do it in 15 to 20 minutes and i love that there's so many I feel like a lot of people apply rules to things in a way that they think it has to be a certain way. And what I love about Italian food is that a lot of times it's actually – there's a right way to do things. But, like, for instance, dry pasta isn't, like, 
less or more than fresh pasta. Mm, it's just totally. a different thing. Yeah. And I really love that. And so for me, like the fact that I could do something with a dried pasta and canned tomatoes and it's still amazing and rustic and beautiful. Like I love like the thing I've been making a lot of is um I'll do like amatriciana because mm, I love that. Spicy. It's so good. And I just like load What's the technique? Like what's it's your so, how do you build so that easy. sauce? Like what's your Well, that's what I love about it is it's ac- it's two ingredients. So so I know I just take guanciale Oof. and I do I like actually I go to Italy and I buy it it's like weirdly expensive you get I'm real like, guanciale I'm like this is like bacon why is this so expensive but whatever and yeah it, but you know it, it makes a difference because when you does. have like subpar guanciale it doesn't make that flavor pop yes and it has a really oh it's so good so I render the fat quite you know and then reserve the guanciale obviously and mm-hmm. end up eating most of it just like plain because <laughs> i love like yeah it's yeah. like really fancy like i don't know pork rinds yeah. or something um and you leave the fat in the pan and while you're cooking your pasta i always do bucatini mm-hmm. um but while you're cooking your pasta um you just take i love the canned cherry tomatoes Ooh. and you can find those at um like honestly like any kind of italian like mart would mm-hmm. have them yeah um but they're so good they have this brightness um and a little bit more of a sweetness than a typical can like marzano or something and um, i add that to the guanciale and then you just do salt pepper a little bit of the pasta water once it's finished um you know boil the sauce together for five minutes like literally while the pasta is cooking and then like when you have two minutes left on the pasta you take it out and put it in the sauce and then you let it get that really beautiful like kind of like manacle kind of like totally coated kind of thing and let it finish cooking in the sauce and so it actually soaks up that last little bit and then finish it with just like a light mountain dusting of like pecorino or something mm, i love peck it's so do good do you microplane or are you great i grate but like yeah. i have on my grater though i have the one that like makes it fluffy oh i love yeah <laughs> like it's i don't know what to fluff. call it but yeah you want it to be this like crazy just like literally like a snow cone of craig's cheese. a lucky dude huh yeah. i actually don't cook that he actually cooks like family dinner more than i do really isn't that funny i know he's inspired by you <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy what's um what's like a big project coming up for the kitchy kitchen like yeah. on your what's on your radar what are you excited about 2019 oh my gosh um well big thing is in like the f- oh, beginning of 2019 is uh the sweet laurel savory cookbook so whoa savory what? this is new for sweet laurel. this is very new for sweet laurel we actually have a joke about like sweet laurel and salty laurel how salty <laughs> laurel's like our bitchy new york counterpart it's like sasha fierce <laughs> totally. for beyonce yes it's definitely <laughs> sasha fierce um so salty laurel of uh, yeah like for sweet laurel savory um you're gonna see things like bagels and pizza and like hamburger buns and really fun stuff it's still the idea of it all comes from the oven it's all these beautiful baked goods but how can you do it in a way that is grain free refined sugar free and dairy free because the way that it's funny i don't have any food allergies laurel does though Mm. and the reason why i'm so passionate about the story and narrative of sweet laurel is because I think that everyone should be able to enjoy good food, regardless of what path you're on. Totally. Like if you have allergies, if you're just trying to like your body just needs certain things, like there's no reason for you not to enjoy delicious, beautiful food. And for us, it's really about that. It's about accessibility and making sure the food is, you know, just it's emotionally satisfying as well as. I love this. Yeah. Because like, I don't know, like 
you and I, I feel like, because you grew up in New York, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, there was that time period in the early aughts when, like, gluten-free baking was becoming more of a thing, but it all tasted like garbage, you know? It It was like a joke. It was gross. Yeah, it was like, oh, I'm sorry for you vegans. Well, and you were like, Yeah, or celiacs. You're just like, felt bad for the kids who had it. And it was always that sad, lonely, like, individual cupcake, and everyone Mm -hmm. else had the real cake. And so for us, like, it really is about, like, no, no, there's one cake everyone can enjoy, and you're not, no one's sacrificing you wouldn't anything. know the difference exactly yeah that's that's really really important to us i'm like borderline obsessed with the british baking show who isn't it's I don't the best know. show ever it's so good we i mean so we're watching the new season and they did like a vegan mm-hmm. week which i thought was really interesting and i was so inspired the most inspiring part for me was this zero waste concept on the Mm, chickpeas yeah where they didn't actually use the chickpeas but i was like oh the next time i use canned chickpeas you can use that liquid and you can whip it into a meringue that and then you can bake it and make like a pavlova that messes me up like i when i first heard that you could make what's it called it's like faba or something Mm. yeah but it's like a yeah it's the leftover it's like ferber here let me pour you a little of this right because you should try it with the thumbprints yes because it's made in mexico hecho in mexico Oh. And uh, it's made by Beachy, and they're in Baja, and this is a grape called Listan Prieto. Oh, this is amazing. Smoky, gamey. I also was thinking about this with the chocolate, um, which we'll get to. Oh, this is going to be so good with the chocolate. Dark chocolate sables, but I think it kind of works with the jam. I love Mexican wine so much because Mm. they play it's so playful like they will they will do like crazy swiss varietals but it's done like in the middle of the desert so you end up getting these really crazy results from it which i love it has this kind of like i don't know it's like really um diverse and it has this like sort of exploratory feeling to it that's so fun oh my god okay i just grabbed a chocolate sable dark chocolate sable how long is the process of refining these recipes for you and what are they based on like family Honestly, things you love. Sorry, I feel like the mic is hearing like crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, crunch, crunch. it's okay. Everybody um, should be crunching on these kitchen no. kitchen cookies. You can go to the website and you can cook these cookies, oh, which yeah. is amazing. And especially for the holidays, I love cookies around the holidays. Mm. Mm. It's good, right? Is there a low amount of flour in this? Yeah, there's not very much flour. Mm. Oh, none of these have that much flour in them, oh. actually. Literally, I it's can eat like twenty. Butter. <laughs> it's just butter. It's called dairy. It's We're doing like, it up. It's just butter suspended with flavors, I guess. Oh my god, I love that. No, but um. Oh God, I love chocolate sables. Um, no, for me, I I collect vintage mm, cookbooks. Let's go with the wine. Yeah, it's it's like a nice, very nice combo. Yeah. Um, I collect vintage cookbooks. I'm a huge food history, like full on dork. And every time I'm in New York, there's this bookstore called Bonnie Slotnick's. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Bonnie's? Mm-hmm. It's like you're. It's like out of a Nancy Myers film. Sorry, my mouth's full of sable. <laughs> But yeah, okay, by the way, yeah, not, Nancy, the, not the weasel creature, like no. a cookie. <laughs> Nancy Myers films, yeah. my favorite. I'm oh, already there with you. I love Nancy Myers films. And there's something about Bonnie Slotnick that reminds me of like, um, I don't know, just it feels like one of her movies. Or Nora Ephraim, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, like You've Got Mail. Yeah. Like, it's like the shop around the corner. But <sighs> it's charming. It's like a basement. It's like you have to walk down onto it. It's off of First Avenue. And Bonnie is a New York institution. She's been there. Um, th- that store is actually her, like a new location. She used to be in Greenwich Village. But it's just my favorite mm. place because she knows everything about cookbooks. If you ask her, like one time I came in and was like, hey, I want to pick up something for my dad for his birthday. Do you have anything that's like my dad's a big, um, you know, military and like naval history guy? Because, you know, he's a dad. So mm-hmm. that's like a dad thing to be into. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have anything that's like, I don't know, from like a ship's galley or something? Mm, like whatever. That's cool. What, you know, I'm like, let's see if we find something. She found um, a cookbook that was 
the, a collection of recipes from POWs. And this is, it wow. was all the food. That's so hardcore. It's crazy. It was the food they would talk about when they were in camps. Like they were starving. Yes. And it was the food that they would sit around a campfire and talk about like their mom's pie and like how she made it and oh why God. it was so amazing. And so who are, a, a colonel edited it and all of the head notes were just so beautiful and thoughtful and talking about like, you know, oh man, this this came from, you know, Sergeant so-and-so and he didn't make it, but he always talked about this and, you know, and it was just like so such a thoughtful and also unique piece that I was like, how on earth did you find this? Mm. You know, but I, she just, you know, you'd ask her and she will like sort of just will to power these beautiful things from her collection. And she's just so, so interesting. So for me, I always, I always look to the past to get inspiration for the food I'm making because I think there's so much wisdom there. And I mean, you know, farm to table is like not a new concept, like so yeah. much of no, it. No, no, no. The, the biggest shift it actually like, cookbooks from the 30s and 40s have a lot of similarities to cookbooks today and even like voices like i feel like mfk fisher could be in a food blogger today and it totally. would be just as resonant totally um well life is cyclical right yeah, yeah. it's like a yeah the dialectical I'm just, like, <laughs> terrified of when it will go back to like mass production of everything and like ease i mean I there will be some advance in technology that will create some i mean i'm assuming in the next 40 50 years yeah some sort of like version of a tv dinner and i think it'll be like biscuit nutritional biscuits like soylent mm. totally freaks me out i feel like I maybe soylent's so weird also why would you name it soylent it's so nasty because, but also like like they're building in venice they're like we're soylent but also like soylent green like yeah. I, that's i always go i'm like wait is it people yeah that's <laughs> like, always where i go with it but that's so funny one of my favorite things about i guess like thinking about history and futurism i think find futurism so fascinating and like everyone's sort of concepts of what the future will look like and i love how like the jetsons 2001 concept of like us having a thanksgiving dinner and a pill like that kind of yeah. you know completely never happened and being totally satisfied by yeah, it. yeah exactly but uh, what they don't what i feel like always gets left out of the mix is this idea of um human beings and like the poetry of humanity which mm. is that for us food is poetry it's it's a form of expression it's a form of memory mm. and it's like an actual so there's this thing where like i don't know there's like a sacredness around food but because it is like a daily thing it's a unifying thing everyone has to do it and it's something that can be high art or it can be as basic and primal as you want. And there's not really any other art form that really like maybe music kind right. of matches that. And I feel like it's so interesting how when you see like sort of projections of like food in the future, it kind of forgets that sometimes. And yeah. it's like I don't think people are ever gonna let go of that aspect of food. No, because it can be personal and communal too. Yeah, which so is, it's like yeah. It's such a yeah. It's it's endlessly fascinating to me. Mm. I think people always ask me like, "What's your favorite thing about wine?" And I'm like, the community aspect of mm. it. That like I'm rarely drinking wine alone. I'm always drinking wine with other people. Mm -hmm. Like it's always like sharing the experience of that winemaker, the story of them. That's amazing. The food that we're having with it, which yeah. I think sometimes gets lost for people yeah well and i think for me that's why I, I actually it's funny i got into food history before i got into food because i was a history major in college and i found food a really beautiful way of studying history because it immediately brought the humanity of everybody forward mm. because if you look at the past you know a lot of times it'll be a lot of dates and a lot of people and you see these black and white photos or these paintings and you have no idea you know they don't they're wearing weird clothes they right, all, like what is it all they mean? all look unhappy yeah. <laughs> You know, but then when you, you know, find out like what, for instance, um, like Alexander Dumas was a huge foodie right. and wrote a cookbook 
that got published after That's he amazing. died. You know, and like you just read his like favorite recipes and about the dinner parties he would throw, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know a guy like that. Like yeah. you, know, you kind of it just makes everybody feel um, I don't know more uh, relevant and more personal. I agree. You don't have to be like a chef to be an expert. I think is something totally. You know, yeah, you get, or to be passionate mm-hmm. or to have like a voice that's legit totally yeah what um i know you said you like like quiet in your kitchen zone but for the listeners Mm -hmm. you know what's what's a either it's an entertaining or or like a life hack that like having the kitchen kitchen like you've come to realize could be to do with your baby i don't know like something that advice you can pass on yeah well the holiday seasons are upon us so i feel like even if you're an introvert like me you are hosting Like you are going to parties, you're having parties. And for me, um, it's funny because of, you know, just like being a shyer, more reserved person, like I actually tend to kind of think about events in a way of like, okay, how can I get like the most bang for my buck? I don't want to be stuck in the kitchen slaving away. I want to be able to actually enjoy myself. I want to be able to enjoy this food. So I have a few rules that I've established for myself. So one is I have a three to one rule, which is for every one hot thing I'm making, there's three things that are either you know, room temperature, straight out of the fridge, made ahead of time. Like I love that rule. Yeah, because like otherwise, like what are you doing? Three to one. Yeah, love. Because you will like be. I'm very similar. Yeah, because you'll just. Ugh, it just it's. You'll be cooking the whole time. Exactly, and it's stressful. The and timing then, like, of it little is stressful. resentment creeps in, and yeah. you're like, whose party is this anyway? Exactly. You're yeah. like, Ugh, I hate all these people. Yeah. <laughs> Get out! I'm tired. I'm never throwing a party again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the other one too is um being like very open about needing help, and so for me, I always have a couple friends come over before I have a party so it's like I'll have like two or three girlfriends with me and they'll just help with things like oh I'll like light all the candles I'll get the Spotify figured out I'll you know chill all the wine like whatever Mm. it is but it's so nice because then the thing that I always fail at is it's like that last five minutes when people start arriving and I realize oh my god I don't have like any makeup on my face (laughs) and I wait there's no music and did I light a candle in the bathroom you know it's like all that kind of stuff and so to me having that help beforehand is so important like Mm. and so asking for and also asking for people to stay late and be like can you help me clean up (laughs) that's good knowing where you need help and asking for it is like a sign of great strength it's it's important. Delegation's everything. I feel like to be a modern woman, you have to know how to delegate well. Uh, so I'm obsessed with these cookies. <laughs> I'm going to try and make them at home. They're easy, man. I think everybody else should make them. And these are good cookie wines, which they- I was like, it was kind of a dice roll. I'm super into like the beachy, least mm-hmm. on pairing with the chocolate i love maybe my favorite i think it was the most spot on i think the strawberry one was crazy olivier cohen rose with the strawberry thumbprint cornmeal those are really impressive cookies thank you they're delicious it's so funny because those are the ones that were the most stressful where i was like looking at them so my oven broke and i was shooting i was baking these in my little like tiny bubble my literal like tiny like college college size (laughs) yeah like it's the size of a microwave well Um, killed it and i kept looking at them like oh no they're not working but they did so i'm so glad they're so good yeah. cookie exchange 2018 get on it people i know and they're easy like i don't know i feel like there's this weird thing where people feel like they have to do stuff that's like really complicated and really like quote impressive and the truth is there's nothing more impressive than something made simply well yeah so just like yes. stick to that i also think a, a good takeaway is that you don't have to pair sweet wine with cookies yes or i mean that was intentionally something i mm. did today as mm. i didn't bring anything sweet 
I just brought all everything that we tasted was technically dry. And yeah. I think it kind of it didn't necessarily like it's not going sweet with sweet, but it enhanced the more nuanced flavors totally. of each cookie. Like the secondary notes. Yeah, it brought out the nuttiness, mm-hmm. the saltiness, any kind of savory quality or like bitter like <laughs> the bitterness from like the cocoa the cocoa and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I think, yeah, all of that stuff came through and it made the cookies feel more elegant. Yeah. Which I love. Oh my God, I love this. Claire, thank you so much for coming on Wine Face, making everybody hungry for cookies. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And so if people want these recipes, they just go to the Kitschy Kitchen. Exactly. Yeah, and it's also in the description. Yeah. We have the little links. We'll have the links to the cookies. Um, and thank you so much. It was so nice to talk to you about I this stuff. I, I love it. I feel like we could talk for hours about well, food. And now and we can like talk about slightly o- terrifying. Yeah, yeah. After this, we'll talk about oysters yeah. for like an hour and a half. It'll be great. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You can't listen to that. Um, <laughs> this was Wine Face. Uh, Helen from Helen's Wines bringing it to you. Some cookie wine pairings. If you want more info, go to Instagram at Helen's Wines. Go to our website, helenswines.com. Join the wine club. It's the best thing ever the best gift that you could are you i think you're in my are you probably in, are you I, in my wine club? i think i'm in your wine club i think that might be maybe that's how we know each other yeah okay. we couldn't figure it out it's your name i think i was like <laughs> are you in my wine club are you on my newsletter list yeah no. um okay get after it everybody thank you so much and uh, have a good day you too bye